belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message from May 21st, 2023 is called The Opposite of Forgetting is... The teacher is John Ray and the location is Clap Auditorium, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Again, my name is John Ray. If you're listening on the podcast, watching on Facebook Live, we are really glad you are here with us at Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas. So Jane and I figured out early on in our marriage when we could tell if we were talking to our folks on the telephone. You have to understand, Jane's from Pittsburgh. We have a cross-cultural marriage. She's a Yankee. I'm a Texan. Um, so, but we could tell just by the accent on the phone if we were talking to our folks or not. Anybody else like that? So, so she would talk to her mom or her dad back in Pittsburgh, and, and the accent of her youth would come out. Not very strong, but, but it was noticeable with that. And then, like, she would listen to me talking to my dad on the phone, and she would go, are you joking? Like, the accent would, the y'alls and the fixin' twos would just come out so thick when I was talking to my dad. She thought I was joking with that, but I wasn't. Um, it It was a very real thing. And it's interesting to think about the words and the phrases that identify where we come from. Because they root us in a place. They root us in a culture. They help us remember who we are. They help us remember where we've come from. Or as we would say in Texas, they also help us from, keep us from getting above our raisin. Anybody familiar with that one? You don't get above your raisin. It means don't get proud, don't get arrogant, don't forget where you came from with that. Well, in a way, the text that we're going to encounter today is a little bit like God saying, Israel, y'all need to remember so you don't get above your raisin. So you remember who you are. You remember where you came from. You remember what I've done for you. With this, and if you if you're just joining us, we're we're going working our way through the book of Exodus, and and we are taking these um, specific verses as we go through that represent large portions of Scripture. And this week we have Exodus ten one through two, uh, verses one and two, and it says, "The Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, in order to display these signs of mine before him." In order that in hearing of your son, in, in, in hearing that, your son and your grandson may tell how I made fools of the Egyptians and about the signs that I displayed among them, so that you may know that I am the Lord. So there's this intentionality here of God saying, I'm doing these things not just for you, not, not just so you get out of slavery but so that you will tell it to your sons and they'll tell it to their sons and so on and so forth. And you will all remember who I am so that you will know me. We talked about this a little bit last week when 
how we said the, that God doing the, the miracles, sending the plagues to Egypt, that it really wasn't a contest. It wasn't like a football game. It wasn't like a back-and-forth match power struggle. Because, because by the third plague, the Egyptians were done. It was game over. They won. Three plagues are out. Yet there were still seven more plagues. Well, why? What was the purpose in that? Is it just a piling on? What was it? And I, I really believe, and other commentators do as well, that it wasn't so much as a power struggle between Moses and, and God, Yahweh and the God, the Egyptian gods, even though each one is, is just you tick off the list of the gods and each one is, is defeated in a way. But it was also a way of, of instilling in the people this story that they would remember, that they would carry with them, that there would be no doubt as to who God is and who is in control and who has the power. That there would be, there would just by this excessive show of power, there would absolutely be no doubt, not just for that generation, but for generations to come. And indeed, we see this codified when we get into Deuteronomy. If you look at verse chapter 8, verses 12 through 18, it starts off with, Be sure you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, ordinances, the statutes I am giving you today. And he goes on, he says, When you eat your fill and you build and occupy good houses, when your cattle and flocks increase, when you have plenty of silver and gold and have abundance of everything, be sure you do not feel self-important and forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, the place of slavery, and who through the great fearful wilderness, he did these things. And he says, here's the, here's the temptation. is to say, because then be careful not to say, my own ability and skill have gotten me this wealth. And that's the temptation is we forget. And we start to go, you know what? I did all this. Me. I'm the one. I'm the one who built this business. I'm the one who got this house. I'm the one who provides the food. I'm the one who does all these things. It's been my hard work, my smarts, my talents, my gifts, my looks, my connections. Me. Me. That's what happens when we forget. Now, as Alex said, which I thought was fascinating because we didn't even talk about it before, how story we remember. We have to understand that, that God is doing these things, right? And he's, this is what he's doing. He's giving the people a story. He's not giving them a doctrine. He's not giving them a list of attributes about God, although there are attributes about God. He's not giving them some kind of systematic theology and say, this is what I want you to remember, this systematic theology. No, he says, I want you to remember this story. I want you to remember the story of the frogs and the locusts and the blood and the blotting out the sun. I want you to remember the story of the wilderness. I want you to remember the story of this. That's how they were going to know who God was. Was by remembering the story of it. And how do we remember that? So this is, this is where I want to challenge us. There's an old saying in football, and I'm not a football player, so this is really masculine sounding or whatever, but, but I think it makes a point. When, if you're, the coach tells a person not to fumble, if, if they have a problem with fumbling, you don't tell the kid, don't fumble. 
Because then all they're thinking about is, is how do I not do this? And they end up fumbling most of the time and tell the person not to do it. And in a way, to say don't forget, it almost invites forgetting. And there's, so when we tell a person, hey, I want you to remember this, how? How do we remember? Rather than just instructing you, rather than just telling you, giving you this task, how do we actually remember? And I think the, re I think the way we remember is by paying attention. I think if we pay attention, we will remember. Paying attention is something I can do. Not forgetting, I don't I can't even in a way conceptualize that. Not forget what? Is it a list of things I have to do? Like how do I and how do I know if I've not forgotten? Because if I've forgotten, I won't realize that I've forgotten something, right? So it's it's like an impossible task to give someone to say, don't forget. But what we can tell someone is to pay attention because this is something we all can do with this. And what we pay attention to determines so much about how we comprehend and move in the world. It plays into what we determine is good and beautiful and true. Stan Mitchell, when he was sharing with us, he said the tragic irony of a religion based on the incarnation of God, based, uh, the tragic irony of a religion based on the incarnation is that God is reduced to abstract ideas. So when we're paying attention, it's not memorizing things about God. It is paying attention to God. The God who is here, the God who is among us with that. It is this paying of attention with this. Um, and, and paying attention with wonder. So one of the most frustrating things when my kids, when they got into a certain age, and I would tell them to do something or I would remind them something, their response wouldn't be, yes, I'll do that, or no, I won't, but it would be, I know. Anybody familiar with this? You tell, oh, I know. Yeah, exactly, right, like that. And, and the thing is, you want to go, no, you don't. Because if you did, I wouldn't be telling you that. I wouldn't be reminding you of this if you knew. We don't know. We have, to, we have to humble ourselves and pay attention with wonder. We have to pay attention with inquisitiveness. We have to pay attention with humility. But remembering is difficult. When God gives these ten plagues, and what happens, we all know the story, we're going to encounter it. The people go out in the wilderness and they forget. They do the very thing they're told not to do. The, the one thing, pay attention, remember. They forget. They don't pay attention. And, and there's reasons for this, y'all. It's not just like, oh, they're bad and we're smart. No, it's not like that at all. Listen, there are a lot of reasons we have trouble remembering. Laura brought up this fascinating study that she found that people, we, people, have a very difficult time remembering good things about our own story. And what was it that the, the exercise was? You had to have someone remind you of something good you had done with that? that they, they did this exercise where they had other people remind someone of something good they had done. Because we forget. We remember bad things about ourselves. We remember bad things about our story. We remember good things about other people, but we rarely remember good things about ourselves. So that's one obstacle there. 
The other obstacle is trauma. Trauma makes you forget. It makes you fearful and it actually blocks down. In my own life, there are huge chunks, eras of my life that are just very fuzzy in my memory because of the trauma that is at the center of that. And the other thing is this. We forget because we're all conditioned. In the, I'm going to say this. In the Christian evangelical culture, we are conditioned to, to cover over things for people. But even for God. Now, it may take the term of, of some fancy word like apologetics. We have to explain all these things. People come to us with questions about God, questions about life, questions about themselves. And we feel like we have to cover, we have to, we have to give an apology or we have to cover up or we have to make excuses. We have to, we have to cover God's backside. And maybe you were raised in a home where you had to do that for your parents. There was something going on at home that would have brought shame on your family, so you had to make excuses for your parents. Maybe it's something in your own self that you hid, that you you didn't like about yourself, and you you had to hide that over. You felt like you had to make excuses for it. There's a toll that is taken when we're forced to do that, when we're taught to do that. We forget. We, we want to make it go away because we, we want to make excuses. We want to act like it's not there. And what happens is, with enough acting like it's not happening, in a way, it's not happening anymore consciously to us. And we forget. Y'all, we don't have to do that. One of the most freeing things that happened to me in my Christian walk is that I don't have to make excuses for God. I'm not here to cover up the bad spots, the things I can't explain. If I can't explain them, I just can't explain them. It's not, in a way, it's, my job is maybe to get people to pay attention, but I'm not here to make excuses. I'm not here to make excuses. There's stuff I don't know. There's stuff I don't get. There's stuff that keeps me up at night. There's stuff that makes me angry. There's stuff that makes me sad. I don't get it. But I am here to pay attention, not to make excuses. Well, what happens when we get in this pattern of failing to remember with this? What happens when we start to tell the story incorrectly or forget the story? Or make ourselves the center of the story. Well, there's three things Brueggemann talks about, you know, in the in the commentaries that we're using, among others, is, is this one by Walter Brueggemann. And he says, the first thing that happens when we forget is we start to self-credential. It's a great term, right? Self-credentialing. And that was the warning in Deuteronomy that I wrote, that I read, is that, hey, you're gonna start to say, Me, I did this. I am the one who did this. I am the one who brought us out. I am the one who built the house, the business. I am the one who has made myself successful. We self-credential. Now, 
don't get me don't get me wrong. The opposite of this is not saying, "Oh, I'm bad, I'm nothing." The opposite of this is not self-deprecation. It's simply humility and gratefulness. It's recognizing with a grateful heart, with a humble heart, all that we have been given. It's not tearing yourself down. The second thing that happens, because when we start to self-credential, we disregard God. God becomes less and less of importance, less and less present, less and less necessary with that. And it becomes easy when we are the one who has done all this, why do I need God? I mean, sure, I need God every once in a while when I get in the ditch and I need a little help. You know, we've talked a lot about this over the years, how most of us just want Jesus to pimp our life out. You know, generally it's pretty good, but hey, we could use a little extra juice. So Jesus, give me a little of that extra Jesus juice, you know. But really, I got it under control. That's a disregard of God. So we do this self-credentialing and then we disregard God which leads to the inevitable outcome of indifference towards our neighbors. Because then, hey, it's all about us. Well, why don't you just work as hard as I do? I got mine. I did this. If you don't have it, that must be your fault. There must be some kind of moral failure or ethical failure on your behalf or character issue that you don't have it. And so we become indifferent, we become hardened. We start to judge, we start to cut people off. And this is why paying attention, I think, is better than saying, don't forget. Pay attention. Pay attention to the story. Don't just remember it, pay attention to it. What is happening? Who is, who is this story really about? What are the roles in the story? And paying attention puts us in the moment. It helps free us from the conditioning, the trauma, the expectations that lead to forgetting. Now I want to be sure, sure to say here, this is the conscious forgetting I'm talking about, not forgetting from dementia or things like that, the conscious forgetting. Because injustice is forgetting. Injustice happens when we forget. We start to think, oh, I've got justice. I did this. If there is injustice, that must be their fault. Therefore, they are worthy of whatever they are getting, consequence. And injustice happens when we forget. Othering is forgetting. Othering happens when we remember, when we forget that, hey, we were once not a people. We were once outcasts. We were once on the other side. And we have been brought in by mercy. No. When we forget that, we start to other people. Selfishness is forgetting. Selfishness is that idea, hey, I did this all on my own, so I deserve this. I deserve to have these things. I deserve to enjoy this thing, even if it excludes or leaves other people out. Even if it costs other people anything. You forget. You become selfish. When you forget, you shun. When you forget, you demean. When you forget, you become violent, vengeful. When you forget, when we forget, when I forget, we sin. 
forgetting is the invitation to sin. Now the opposite of this is paying attention. Because paying attention is remembering. And what paying attention does is it allows for love. It doesn't guarantee it. Now I want to make, I want to make sure here. I'm not saying it guarantees it. But it invites it. It allows for it. Paying attention allows us to love. Paying attention can generate gratitude. Paying attention can foster beauty. Paying attention can make space for the other. Paying attention can draw us together. When we make that space to pay attention, when we cultivate the practices of paying attention, we are opening the door to the kind of life that God wants for us. Because we will remember as we pay attention. We'll remember who we are. We'll remember where we came from. We'll remember who someone else is in our life. What they've done for us. Who they were in our life. We remember that. And so I want to ask us this question this morning. What is it that you need to remember? This is not a hypothetical question. I want to ask you this morning, I want, to, I want you to think about it this week. What is it that you need to remember? What is it that you need to pay attention to? What is it that we as a church need to remember and pay attention to? Collectively, what do we need to remember? What do we need to be paying attention to now? What have we been delivered from? Maybe paying attention involves, what have we been delivered from? What am I free from now? What do I no longer question or struggle with or am influenced by now? And then maybe pay attention to what am I being delivered from? What am I being delivered from? Right now, what is it, where, where in my life am I still being delivered where in my life am I still being led out of the slavery of sin, the bondage of Egypt, the undue influence of other things? Not just individually, but corporately, collectively, as a people. And then what is it, what is it that we're being delivered to? What is it that we need to set our hearts, our minds on? What is it we need to look for? What is it we need to anticipate? Where is it that we need to be paying attention to something that we're longing for, yearning for, looking for? And pay attention to these things. I'm going to ask Alex and the team to come back up. Does this happen all the time? When I say Alex, Alexa comes up on the screen. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. I guess I've got the male version of the program here. Um, at Grace Church, we practice radical hospitality as a way of giving attention to God and welcoming others. This practice helps form us by helping us not forget who God is, who we are, and who we are to be to others. All this is confessed in our beliefs and helps form them. Paying attention also involves this table. 
when Jesus, on that last night with his disciples, gathered them together and he took them to the table, he said, do this in remembrance of me. So say, this is a, a way of remembering this practice. When we come up, when we line up, we take the bread and we take the juice. This is a way of remembering. I want you to pay attention to it. Pay attention to what is happening. Pay attention to who is here, who is present at this table. And our table is open to all who are seeking Jesus. It's open to everyone with that. And then as we as we reflect, as we give the offering today during this time, just, just pay attention to everything that has been presented here as we go forward. And thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.